Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Second Turnbuckle Podcast. We are back again. It is Tukey24 joined alongside Crash Andrews. Mm-hmm. Crash the man Andrews. The Mandrews. The illustrious, the incomparable. Mm-hmm. The, the the silver fox of the wrestling community. Fox. <laughs> The silver fox. <laughs> I hate it here. <laughs> no, I love it here because I get to spend what seems like an eternity, but turns out to be just over an hour with my wrestling buddy, Toogie. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in the words of Cody Rhodes, what do you want to talk, talk about? about? <laughs> well, I've got something that I am shocked isn't more talked about recently. Uh, I don't know if you want to jump into that one or if you want to jump into... Go oh, ahead, hey, why not? Do? You already right. teased it. Go ahead. So, let's just see here. WWE, there's there's bigger news, let's be honest, but their, their last premium live event... Uh, what was it called? What was the last one called? Fast I didn't Lane. Fast Lane. Because cars and... in the fast lane. <laughs> Sorry, I went, full, I went full Fred Durst there. Sorry. <laughs> Are you on the Matthews Bridge right now? Take it to the Matthews Bridge. Um, interesting enough that it kind of segues nicely into my little bone to pick that has been a little burr in my saddle since Fast Lane ended. Uh, fast Lane, of course, cars fast in Room. car lanes. Um, at the end. Of Fastlane, there was a press conference. Mm-hmm. At that press conference, one Jay Uso, main event Jay, and uh, Cody Rhodes. They won the uh, the unified tag team titles. They, they came did. out at the press conference inebriated. Mm. Which, if you asked me, didn't really notice Cody Rhodes until he mentioned it, and then from there, it kind of just the wheels fell off. Don't have a problem with that. Adults can do whatever they want, especially if the company's going to endorse it. Ugh, whatever. Jey Uso. On January 16th, 2018, uh, or in the round there, the Sunday before then, was arrested in Hildago, Texas, uh, on a DWI. Uh, For those who don't know, that's driving while intoxicated. Now you're saying to yourself, Crash, he's a twin. Jey Uso. Or Jimmy. Jimmy's the one that has the problem. Listen. This bothers me because when I think the Usos, I almost think about the DWIs the tag team has had and shared more than I actually think about their tag team legacy in WWE. And I don't know if that's just a me thing, but nobody has been talking about this. It was cute. It was funny. Jay talked uh, way too much, almost like I am. <laughs> <Dookie's yawning. laughs> I was yawning before we started. Yeah, that's this fine. is true. Um, I don't know. There's just something about this, like the image of WWE. Now they're, you know, under uh, TKO, under Endeavor with UFC. I don't know if they're going to be aiming for, you know, the youth to get the parents as they were before, but there's just something about allowing a guy. I mean, if it was Jeff Hardy, the world would be 
you know, crumbling under everybody's feet, or at least the wrestling world, that Jey Uso has a DWI under his belt, and he goes out in front of cameras and acts, he wasn't acting like a goof, but you know when somebody's drunk and they try too hard to look sober? That was Jey Uso. So I I don't know if you had have you had a chance to watch the video yet? I have not. Um, yeah, this is unfortunately I'm, I get to leave you kind of no, floating, floating in the breeze here because I haven't seen it, so I don't feel like it's fair to have a take on it. So rude. Yeah, like I said, since I saw the video, I was just like, "What? How? How do you let a guy with a DWI go out there and say he's inebriated?" Now, to be fair. They did mention that they do have a ride back to the hotel. They weren't driving or, or, you know, they they actually made a point of saying that in this press conference. But uh, like, it's not Stone Cold. It's not part of the character. Sure, they won the tag team titles. But I mean, both guys are kind of on a trajectory for the heavyweight title. One more than the other. But one has been in that picture for a little bit. It just there was it just seemed not really cool to to witness so i'll get off my soapbox so we can talk about funner stuff like dunking on vince mcmahon (laughs) but i i just i don't understand why they let him out there that's fair um obviously it was a weird week right wwe perspective the word like there was a lot surrounding the wwe side of things like there was fast lane which i didn't watch uh, there was Super Tuesday, as it was called, which I didn't watch the NXT side of things. Like, I don't have a take on what show was better. I don't have a take on, oh, Tony Khan's been on Twitter a lot, huh? Like, I just, I stay away yeah, yeah. from that stuff at this point. Um, You know, if WWE, as an AEW fan at this point, if WWE wants to... Stock up their third brand. We cannot call NXT developmental. It is not developmental. When when the 2.0 rebrand happened, it was developmental. Right. But with how often they're sending star talents down there. Right. Becky Lynch, Balor, so on and so forth. Dominic Mysterio's on the show every fucking week. Can we, can um, we mention it's a, it's, it's a third here? brand. Can we mention Dolph Ziggler here, even though he's gone? Sure. Why not? Um, you know, it's... It's not quite developmental. Well, see, here's the thing. It's not developmental. It's also like it's treated with more respect than like WWE CW was. Yeah. Right. Like It's just it's a third brand. Again, it's not to the same extent of when they were like, oh, NXT is Survivor Series and whatever. Right. It's not but black and gold. It is. You had John Cena, Cody Rhodes, The Undertaker on <laughs> NXT. <laughs> That it's not developmental. It's not. Here's here's um, the here's the other thing, just really quickly on that. Who benefited the most from those three being down there? And if you say what? any any name that is currently on an active NXT roster, you say any name, you're lying. Because I did see crash. the Undertaker. What? Ron Breaker got to stand in the ring with the Undertaker. Yeah, and he got not the, the rub field. crash. The rub. <laughs> The rub, the Undertaker rub. Um, there, there's a huge difference between sending your past 
down to meet your future and adequately booking your current to compete. And Mm. the numbers show that Tony Khan won Tuesday. Did he? That was, if you read Tony Khan's tweets, (laughs) (laughs) the first time in decades that both the undertaker and John Cena did not reach a million viewers. Mm. Again, like I don't have an opinion on those tweets because look, that's fair. Is it a good look? Is it a bad look? Is he doing it because he knows people are going to dunk on him anyway? Is he doing it to be like, oh, let's get me to get attention and be like, hey, coming up on dynamite, whatever the fuck. I don't really care. He does um, I also don't care about fanboy. He's not a businessman. I, He's a fanboy with probably. Yeah, pockets. I also don't give a shit about television ratings. Right. Yeah, fair. I didn't give a shit when. AEW beat them fucking 79 times out of 80 or whatever the fuck it was when AEW and NXT when were going head to head. Like, I don't give a shit about ratings because I do genuinely view it as an archaic thing. Like, the whole idea of the Nielsen ratings, like, I have Hulu TV. My viewership isn't being factored in. I'm not a yep. Nielsen family. The the and DVR numbers still count. That's fair. So maybe numbers, I do count in that way. My numbers are do not count. <laughs> so it's just one of those things to me where it's like, I don't like all of that nonsense. Like, I don't care. I don't care who won the night. I don't like, again, I don't give a shit. The WWE stacked the brand because whatever, just go ahead and do it. Like, you know, okay, I don't but- like the idea of them just being like, ah, the developmental beat them. It's like, no, that's not what happened. But again, like, I just anything in regards to, the tribalism of it, the ratings, this person's going there, this person's not happy. I don't, I don't pay attention to it anymore. Yeah. Because it's gotten to an absolutely exhausting point. I just like the wrestling that I like. I put it on my TV and that's it. And it's so much better. You have made mention to one thing that I'll point out to this that I do believe you do care about. And and to some extent, I do believe that you don't. But you have brought this up a few times. And I know we lace conversations with sarcasm a lot. (laughs) What? (laughs) The fact that WWE does not see AEW as, um, as a contender, as a competitor, yet when AEW had to move to Tuesdays. Uh-huh. They had to bring in The Undertaker. They had uh-huh. to bring in John Cena. They had to bring in Rey Mysterio to compete with the established Tuesday night wrestling option. No, they are the Tuesday night. They had to defend their territory. Yeah. So, I know that that's one thing that bothers you is the fact that it's, I, I don't want to. Sorry, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. Uh, it doesn't bother you, but you bring it up, and you do bring it up with sarcasm. But it is yeah. a reoccurring theme in our conversations. It's the because it's just an example of the typical WWE garbage. Yeah, of just they're the best. Whatever they're the, they're, they're the number one, right? Yeah. Like I, for me, I look at I look at other aspects. I don't like modern day. I don't really feel like I see McDonald's taking shots at Wendy's. I don't feel like I see Coke running ads being like, ha, Pepsi sucks, doesn't it? Modern day. Like, I, I'll give you that. 
Yeah, like obviously in before, like in the 80s and everything. Oh, yeah, it was a different world. Yeah. But modern day, it's like the number ones just are the number ones. And they're just like, whatever, we don't give a shit. But then four years ago, Little Brother started making noise. And you could tell it bothered them. And the way that they've reacted over the four years since, they really disrupted NXT's momentum. Like, yes. let's talk about that. Running it head-to-head against AEW and then converting it to 2.0, it's just now getting back on track. Although, like you said, who the fuck benefited on that show? Had, um, had WWE stayed course with black and gold against AEW, yeah, they were the new kids on the block. Everybody wanted to see what they were doing. Had uh, WWE stayed the course with black and gold. Hot take. AEW may not have been as successful long term. They actually shot themselves in the foot by moving their show and revamping it because mm. at the time, black and gold. I think we talked about this in the past. The, it was the hottest brand in wrestling. 100%. Even with the new kid on the block coming out. They were stumbling blocks when AEW first started. They weren't as polished as they are right now. Whereas NXT Black and Gold was the hottest thing. It was what people were talking about. And WWE had a hard time even looking themselves in the mirror and saying, we're not number one. The main brands aren't number one. Like wrestling has evolved. We want professional wrestling now. We don't want sports entertainment. That's what the fans want at this point. We don't want big red machines and uh, trying to think of other examples. Like we actually want guys who are technically sound, who look like they're really beating the crap out of each, out of each other. But then at the end of the day, we can look at it and say, that was amazing. I, I really bought in at the end of the, by the end of the match, everything made sense. Right. And the guys can walk out of the ring safely. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I think WWE shot themselves in the foot and they've they've been trying to recover and trying to convince themselves and the viewers that they are the top brand. And there's we're still seeing a generation that has always wanted to be in WWE. Like that is the goal. But if they keep shooting themselves in the foot, the next generation is always going to want to have been in AEW. Mm. Now. I will say about the AEW side of things. Um, like I said, WWE, I just I don't have too much to add at this stage. Yeah. Like I said, like all I see is just what I see on social media, and that's it. And for the most part, like I stay away from the the uh, more relevant discussions, the more active discussions about oh ratings and all this shit and attendance. I don't, I just don't give a shit. Um, it's not my job to worry about that, you know. And no, if we you really want to get down to business on it. Oh, AEW is not as hot as they used to be. Sure, but they are the first wrestling company not named WWE in 22 years to consistently draw thousands of fans to their weekly television show. Mm-hmm. And they have done it for four years. Right. You know, like they just put 80,000 or however fucking many people you think were there. Uh, 74,561. Something whatever, like whatever it says on uh, what's his face's tattoo. Let's go with that number. <laughs> Will Ospreay. <laughs> like, that was two months ago. You know, like I, like I don't care. And then it's just like, okay, I can sit here. Like I, like I said, I watch the product, and I'm like, hey, Edge is there. That's pretty cool. I'm still happy with that. Uh, Christian is still doing the best work of his career, hands 100%. down. Yep. You do get a moment. Um, 
Did you see the whole MJF Juice Robinson thing? I saw a chunk of it, but not anything that has gotten the I I I know where you're going, but I I don't know how to get there because it's I saw the beginning where MJF came out and was hot and I just I'll say this without knowing what the big hubbub is. I I don't don't know. I don't like the, well, he stole the belt shtick. That's fair. I, it's not needed in this feud. Like this is actually a Jay white MJF fight. Uh, is a dream match as far as I'm concerned. I will defend it in that the story they are telling is that MJF is alone again. Adam Cole got hurt Mm -hmm. and he's not there. Yep. And now all of a sudden here are four guys essentially bullying him over the title and he doesn't have the help. Right. So I can, I can at least say there's a bit more logic than the typical, he stole the title and won't give it back story. Um, what ruffled some feathers this week, though, was that Juice Robinson has had this shtick for a while, even when he was in New Japan, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where he would do the uh, the Rujo, the put the roll of quarters in your hand to then punch somebody in the mouth and do extra damage because it strengthens the structure right. of your hand. I, I mentioned it I know where the, this is going, and I'm not. I mention it as the Rujo because infamously. I think it was Jacques Rougeau, it might have been Ray, um, took a roll of quarters and punched the dynamite kid in the mouth and knocked out a shitload of teeth because mm-hmm. the dynamite kid had been bullying the fuck out of him. And they said no more. Um, so Juice has had this quarter based punch for a while. And he's done it on AWTV before. Okay. But this time he said, I'm going to, you know, he had MJF's name on it. And then they played it off as MJF is pissed because he's told the story before of how he was bullied as a kid and had quarters thrown at him because Jewish. Right. And uh, it probably would have gotten negative attention in general at any time, Mm -hmm. especially this week. (laughs) Got some (laughs) negative attention. Holy shit. The timing. Fair. Um, Fair. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um, I didn't even put that connection together. Holy crap. It's just tough for me because it's not, and I'm sure you kind of feel the same way. I won't speak for you, but it's not our spot to speak as to whether or not we're offended about it. Um, I compare it to, and I'll bring it back to hockey and what people know me for. Mm -hmm. I'll bring it back to the Chicago Blackhawks and their logo. Where me personally, I'm not offended by it, but I hear people who have the right, you could say, to be offended by it, say, hey, that's not cool. Right. So that's my standpoint is, hey, that's not cool. So I am inclined to believe the people who could be directly offended by this and saying, like, man, it's not cool to play with that kind of stereotype, even if, you know, MJF's going to get the better of them down the road. I I can't disagree with the people who are like, man, that wasn't cool because it's not 
my place to say whether or not it is or it isn't. Um, I will say from a storytelling standpoint, like I know what they were going for and the idea of like, this is like bullet club, bullet club gold is a group of bullies. Right. And it's MJF as a face without his best friend now getting bullied. And it's a story that you couldn't tell with a face champion like Stone Cold yeah. or The Rock. Right. But it is the story that you can Go tell with Zuna. MJF. And you yeah. And you know it's not it's you know, it's not fabricated. I right? I under yeah, I understand the the sentiment you're trying to put out there. Without so sounding just, without sounding like the get off my lawn old man of the podcast. Or that's worse. impossible for you to not just by default. Sorry. Right, right. Um, I don't have as much problem with it because it was used to get MJF. Now, the original time he had his moment in the ring was during the CM Punk feud. Correct? Right. Yeah. And talking about a little, I don't even know if I want to say the word just to protect myself, <laughs> you know, a little Jewish boy, right? Yeah, that was the term he used on TV. Yep. Mm, it was different. <laughs> Close enough. It was, it was enough. It was different enough that I don't want to say it, but little Jewish boy will use. Um, he did use it for a reaction. And in that feud, he was the heel. And you could say that that promo was the catalyst to the MGF, MJF that we see right now. There was some yeah. like, wait, I actually feel something for this guy. And mm -hmm. it's not hatred. I mean, they played it off on TV as CM Punk's character coming out and just being like, hey, are you serious? Like, did that actually happen? And that was the point. At the time, as a heel, it was, oh, shit, did that actually happen? Because, of course, he would lie about it. And then the story was like, well, he wasn't lying, but he did use it to manipulate. It was, and it was now it's as a character being viewed as a, a weak point for him. Yeah, it was like. The original one was very close to one of the coolest swerves. And I, I don't mean cool because they went there, but the emotion that was attached to it. And all of a sudden, MJF had the sympathy and CM Punk was Phil Brooks. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think if you're going to use it in that instance, I'm not saying that it gets a complete pass, but you almost have to expect it to be used against him as well. I don't right. know if that's fair. I don't know if I'm saying the right thing, but if it was used one way, I get where the heat is coming from, from it being used the other way, but it's kind of that balance of like, if you can use it one way and I'm not advocating or anything like that, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, they, to use the term again, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot if you're going to use it for good evil can step in and, and use it as well. Right. I'm not giving permission, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it has been used. It's it's one of those things where, like, I don't want to make the rules. I don't want to say what was right or wrong. But I don't really feel all that. I feel more um, uh, emotional about the stuff that I talked about before rather than this topic here. But I also want to stay away from this topic as much as possible. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like that's kind of been like the theme of this week from a, an on TV wrestling perspective has just kind of been. Yeah, I don't want to say there's been like a negative aspect to it. Like it's something what? that should be positive and that you have two companies going head to head and people get better shows out of it. Um, I'm, not, I'm not pretending like I know anything behind the scenes or anything like that, but I wonder if they're actually trying to push the edge to see, and no pun intended, but push the edge. The Adam Copeland. Can. Yeah, the Adam Copeland. To see if they can. Because that was kind of what the Attitude Era was about. Mm-hmm. It started with McMahon and Brett, but then all of a sudden it was like, okay, we have people really hating us over this topic that... Honestly, the the Brett uh, McMahon thing after Survivor Series, most companies would have just left it alone and moved on. Yeah, but that created Mr. McMahon, and people hated him, and they they started pushing envelopes and pushing and pushing and pushing as far as they could. So, mm-hmm. again, I'm not suggesting that we're going to get another Attitude Era out of this, but I wonder if this is an an opportunity for AEW to kind of just see where their boundaries are, because I mean. One of the coolest matches I saw was the um, FTR uh, Bullet Club Gold uh, best of three for the tag team titles mm-hmm. in Calgary at Collision. Um, yeah. Outside of the in-ring work, Bullet Club is almost a comedic act in AEW. They so, are, dare not, I say. They're not Bullet Club. They, they're not, which is fine, because Bullet Club's 10 years old, not what it used to be anyway. No, I want to say... I just want to clarify that statement. I don't mean that they're not the ones that are in Japan carrying the legacy. Those guys, <laughs> 10 years ago, currently are badasses. They're, they're the original incarnation of NWO. They're not a joke of themselves. The Bullet Club Gold is a joke of what Bullet Club used to be when it was Balor, when it was um, Styles, when it was Omega running things. Like, those guys really ran the show, and almost what I had been talking about Blackpool in the past, like, run the show. Don't just take your segment, because the bad acid, the bad acidry of the character disappears when you um, conform to the content and the constraints of your segments, if that makes sense. I think my viewpoint is that, you know, Bullet Club obviously had a lot of the NWO references when it was in New Japan. And it mm-hmm. still is to this day, even though it's taken on a different incarnation or two. Um, Bullet Club Gold is doing more of a DX thing. Where they're not aiming to be the badass, cool, edgy types. They're being more of the jokey... Honestly, if you go back and watch the some of the DX stuff, the the cringe juvenile humor. Yeah. I mean, they had the freaking uh the guns ride out on big wheels for fuck's sake, you know? <laughs> like they they're definitely leaning towards that side of things which honestly like I don't hate in a way because it's the idea of like you kind of want a stable, like, that's not the worst thing in the world to have a stable leader who has a bunch of fucking goofs around him, as opposed to, you know, the idea of, okay, well, here's evolution, and it's it's somebody, the leader of the faction holding down the other members, 
this is more so the leader of the faction is using these clowns to his benefit, which I don't think is inherently the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I get the DX reference, but DX really used it to further each other's narrative to further each other's career quotation fingers. Um, as opposed to just every week coming out and goofing off and, and don't get me wrong. I love juice Robinson. I think the guns have got an amazing career ahead of them. The fact that they're AEW tag team champions in the past is amazing. Um, but yeah, I just, when you're, uh, I get it. I get where you're going with it, but I also don't see it in the sense of until now, they're not really in the main event conversation. Mm. But it's because of they stole the belt and the bullying and everything like that, that they're forcing their way into it, which, I'm, again, I'm not really the biggest fan of. I'd rather I'd see another right. tournament, but I don't want to see another tournament. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if they have, do they still even do the rankings? I know that they have the win-loss no, every they... time they come out. They do still have the loss, but they haven't done the uh, strict rankings that they had uh, previously done before. Gotcha. Yeah, I just. I, when you have a group like that. And maybe it's just the era that I grew up in, if you want to use that again um, with NWO. NWO would come out whenever they wanted. They'd interrupt matches, throw the guys out of the ring and do a promo <laughs> like they, they ran their shows and. These groups that are trying to be very similar to NWO until they do or like the the ones that want to take over the shows and run the companies and all that stuff until they do that without looking too much like NWO. I, I just don't buy into how badass they are. I love Blackpool Combat Club, but it leaves a lot to be desired. Do we have... Anything else to add in regards to anything going on WWE, AEW-wise? Is there anything that we missed? I got one more. This is going to put a big smile on your face if you haven't heard this one yet. Uh, I've got a headline in front of me. It's from the website Pink Villa, because I did a search and it was the first one that came up. But I've heard this Mm -hmm. on, on social media and a bunch of different websites. Triple H... Quotation fingers knighted by Endeavor over Vince McMahon to make all creative decisions on WWE TV. Endeavor looked at the books, realized that Vince McMahon and his decisions on and off screen were the reasons why WWE either lost money or hadn't made as much money as they could have. And thus, since Endeavor has bought WWE has not made very much money, nor has it made as much money as they expected. So WWE is now in the control of one Paul Hunter Hearst Helmsley Levesque. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) I got nothing to add in regards to that. Just because once upon a time, that announcement, I would have been like, you know what? Cool, man. 
Like, especially when, uh, like, 2017-18, what he was doing with NXT, uh, the NXT UK stuff, that initial tournament, the Cruiserweight Classic, and all of that, that he was apparently the project lead on. I'm like, you know what? Cool. Um, But my hopes for WWE and me being able to watch the product without feeling gross about it Mm-hmm. just isn't going to happen and again people might call me hypocritical because oh whatever Tony Khan's a big fucking nerd and the son of a billionaire nepotist, whatever the fuck um, but I stayed as a WWE fan for a really long fucking time I did mm-hmm. you know I grew up with WWE and WCW on my TV um, literally uh, my fiance and I were going through pictures in the past week um, you know, we're doing an idea where we're going to have our tables numbered, but at the same time, I had a good friend of both of ours, Timo, who was a graphic designer. Good I had guy. him kind of make like a, a frame that was in the style of an old hockey card. So nice. if it's table number one, there'll be pictures of both of us from that age. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I like that. Well, for done. example, yeah, right. It's a cute idea. Um, there are so many pictures of me as a kid in wrestling shirts. It's insane. <laughs> it's I'm insane. Sorry. Goldberg shirts, Stone Cold shirts, Chris Jericho. Like, I have I have the photo evidence. Like, I I was a wrestling fan through and through, and it's just as I've gotten older, right? Like the the looking back on a lot of the shit that they've done, yeah, and then. Like, like I said, a big turning point for me in recent years was the Dark Side of the Ring episode about Owen Hart. Mm-hmm. I knew a lot about it, but man, you can't watch that and not feel... I, I can't imagine watching that and not feeling gross for putting money in that company's pocket unless you are a reporter or you know, someone like that covering the industry. Fair. And for those who still do, hey, I'm not trying to yuck your yum here. No, no, you no, no. Do you? But for me, it's that. It's all the things in the past. It's all the things in the present, man. The fucking Vince McMahon hush money. Right. He still made millions and millions of dollars off of this fucking Endeavor deal. Um, there's just he's been gonna, too much grossness about it. He's going to come out Millhouse in all of this. Always does. But. The reason I wanted to bring it up in the way that I did, Tugi, in professional wrestling, who is your number one scumbag? Like, who's the man you hate the most? From uh, from what perspective? All around. It, it's got to be Vince. It is, yeah. So, look back a little bit. I'm just going to rewind it just to try and get a little bit of a reaction that I was looking for. <laughs> Okay. Vince came back to get the best deal he could and screwed over so many people. Mm -hmm. And then we had the Saudi Arabia rumor, which there was really, really big smoke around a fire that could have been. Right. That would have tanked that company. Absolutely tanked that company. Although it probably, it's like the the cockroach that won't die due to a nuclear war. Like, it would still stick around and still find its legs and and keep going. Mm -hmm. He then sells it to Endeavor. 
and walks away with millions. He pushes himself back on the board. He pushes out Paul Levesque within this deal. And here we are, what, like five months later from the actual yeah. deal. And now he's on the outs. Like there's, it's just so poetic that the old man came back and got his just desserts in the end, as far as I'm concerned. That's why I brought it up. I didn't mean it as a downer, you son of a bitch. Sorry, I, I just, I, I can't view it as a, like a celebratory thing just because I, I don't believe he's ever truly going to be fully disconnected from it. He's still um, going to make money off of WWE, but it's... I, just, yeah. I think the idea of it's a new generation, it's a new, it's a new version of, I'm looking forward to see what Triple H is going to make mistakes he has. He's loaded the roster with guys that they can't do anything with. Um, but on the same token, he was the creator of Black and Gold, something that we fondly remember. If he can recapture that, and I don't think anybody else could, and I think he's got more of an opportunity to be more of somebody who will take professional wrestling in the right direction rather than a Vince Russo with a second shot. Mm. If that makes sense. I got one more for you because it's something that you sent me as well. Did you see the final promo introducing Alexis King? Um... So I didn't, I heard about it at least, which is the rebranded Brian Pillman Jr. Mm -hmm. I understand, I understand the idea behind the character and I find it to be interesting actually. Yeah. The idea of, you know what? Yeah. The idea like, you know what? No, fuck it. I'm not, I'm not going to be Brian Pillman Jr. I'm going to be my own person. Um, at the same time, I saw people mention this online, and um, <laughs> I just want to—I want to make sure I, I, I phrase this properly. I just want to know um, what racist or a bad moment in history person they named him after without doing the research. Well, in a sense, that's kind of what it is, because there was the dark side of the ring episode in regards to Brian Pillman. Mm -hmm. And obviously Junior was all over that. And there were stories about an abusive stepfather whose last name was King. King. Oh my God. (laughs) So I never met my real dad who I've used his name for at least a decade uh to further my career, but instead I'm going, well, not him. Sure, this is the machine saying you've got one more shot and we're going to give it to you, but your last name is King now. Yeah. Would, 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 um, uh, Curtis Axel, what, uh, he was, uh, Henning. Was it Curtis Henning? No. He was Curtis Axel and Michael McGillicuddy. Yeah, but what was his real name? Like he's Henning. Uh, Joe Henning. Joe Henning. Would he have done better? As the son of Mr. Perfect, without Mr. Perfect there, because obviously he passed on. Because, I mean, the rub that uh, Charlotte Flair has gotten is because dad's still there. The rub that Natalia, Natalia, 
I Natalia, 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 Natalia. God has gotten was because the Hart Foundation was still around. But to not have your dad there to get the rub, uh, DiBiase Jr. had dad around, right? Mm-hmm. If dad's not around, does the legacy still exist? And there are exceptions to the rule. I mean, The Rock never needed Rocky Maivia or um, uh, what was Maivia's first name? Peter? Oh, no. which we're talking Peter? The dad. Peter? It was well, a Peter Maivia. The grandfather was old High Chief Peter Maivia. Then Rocky's right. dad is Rocky Johnson. Rocky Johnson, right. They never, he never really needed them. He kind of branched out on his own and they kept mentioning that he was second and third generation, but he never really needed that rub. But Hmm. you can't sit there and tell me that Charlotte Flair is not Charlotte Flair without Rick. Yeah, it'd be weird if she was like, oh, my name is uh, Charlotte Smith. You know, I I guess the point I'm trying to make is I, my name is Braun Breaker. Yeah, I don't see a problem with him using Brian Pillman Jr. to establish himself because I think he's actually they're putting him more behind an eight ball. And there are exceptions to that rule as well. I mean, you could make the argument for Braun Breaker. You could make the argument for Bray Wyatt. Um, I just I didn't see this one coming. And when you sent me the name, I'm like, what are they doing? But that the promo that they sent out saying I'm my own man. This is my name. This is the name I choose to go by. Made absolute sense until you ruined it two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's um, that's just what I what I saw. You know, it's like I, I according to the internet, from what I could see, it's like Mel- Melanie Pillman's maiden name was Lawrence. So it's like, and then again, based off the stories that were told and the other, I just Lexus Lawrence. And, hey, it's not my business what yeah. he wants the name to be, whatever the hell. I'm just saying it's a bit weird, but so it was wrestling. So. I've met Brian Pillman Jr. And the the kid just eats, sleeps, breathes wrestling. Like seeing him behind the scenes. Um, he, he's got a strong mind for this. And I almost wonder if the Pillman name actually does hold him back a little bit because his dad didn't quite make it. But his dad's character was just so amazing, especially once he figured out the loose cannon in, in ECW. And like he almost turned the NWO thing around as an individual and used it without people actually realizing that that's what was going on. He really made people think about where he was and what he was doing and and all that without actually realizing that you don't show up on any brand's TV without actually having a contract with that TV, with that brand. So I don't don't have anything else. I got nothing. Oh, um, AEW won the uh, the Edge Jade Cargill trade. They might have, man. It's been kind of weird how they've just been like, here's Jade. And then she just doesn't do anything on the show. But here's right. Jade again. It's like she yeah, listen, as far as getting out of cars is concerned, she is on the Mount Rushmore. The goat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, to be fair, Edge is coming with so much pedigree. But yeah, they, they really haven't done. And I thought if she came and just destroyed the the women's division in NXT would have been one of the greatest starts uh, that we could have seen. 
That's the only Let's get to some wrestling history today, courtesy of our uh, well, unofficial friends. Who knows what the future might bring? A TJR Wrestling, uh, who again always have their lovely on this day section. And we go October 12th, 1992. The biggest day in professional wrestling <laughs> history. I'm glad that, you know what it is. That only the Mecca of Saskatchewan, the Mecca. Saskatoon, dude. When you were doing the um the posters, the, the sporacle, did you yeah. mention was it wasn't Rock'em Sock'em? What was it called? Smack'em Whack'em. Sack'em Whack'em. Smack'em Whack'em. This was featured on that. Like that was the first opportunity yep. people got to see. Well, I mean, again, this was the era of. We'll get to what it is. Shut up, listeners. <laughs> we'll get there. This was the era where stuff happened. Uh, house shows usually didn't have big things happen, but they did record some shows. And I guess they were recording for this VHS that wasn't going to come out for another six months anyways. And uh, I'll, I'll give you the honors, too. It, it meant we mentioned one of the combatants uh, just not too long ago. We did. 1992, live at a, uh, or not live, but on a TV taping for episodes of WWF Superstars and Primetime Wrestling that aired across late October and early November. Although this match never aired on television and was only available on the Coliseum VHS release. Smack em, whack em. Ric Flair. Lost the World Wrestling Federation Championship to Bret Hart. The greatest thing that I found out, I was legitimately today years old. The match that they recorded for superstars that was to air with that package with just WWE superstars. Do you know, without Googling it, do you know who Bret Hart faced on that episode? Of superstars. I will give you one hint and it it will and won't help. Okay. Um, We're talking what an episode of superstars in 92. I mean, I could guess the roster. I'm going to need that hint. So I'll give you two hints. It wasn't it wasn't an enhancement talent. It wasn't like Barry Horowitz or uh, Iron Mike Sharp. It was an actual like contractual traveling wrestler my initial guess was like irs no it wasn't so IRS. with that answer the other clue would be it was one half of a tag team at the time samu of the <laughs> hedge <laughs> <laughs> fucking no i don't i don't know which one it was but it was one of the beverly brothers Ooh, is it the one who has a son in nxt <laughs> i i don't know which one has oh. a son in, the, in the NXT? Oh, God. I forget. This is the problem. I fondly, we talked about black and gold. I I haven't been able to get into current day NXT, even with The Undertaker showing up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's The Undertaker. Come on. Yeah. So when they're recording these shows, they actually recorded Bret Hart versus one of the Beverly brothers uh, for that. And. The story I've heard is that Ric Flair actually suffered an inner ear injury that he wasn't even able to travel anymore. So he had to drop the title 
and the next guy in line or the next, the guy who was there and they were in Canada and everything, they, they realized they were going to make a lot of money off Bret Hart off their Canadian tour. Um, that Brett was the guy, but the fact that it wasn't a pay-per-view, the fact that it wasn't, uh, what was the, the show on USA? Like the primetime wrestling, mm-hmm. like their big show before raw was a thing. Um, that was, that was it. That was, you had to wait six months to see the entire match. They'd mentioned it on future episodes of, of superstar. So you got like the current day. He is the champion. But just how everything lined up there, like you kids with your internet, you have it lucky. We had to wait till a magazine and a VHS came out before we realized that Bret Hart was champion. Now, kids, a VHS is a... uh... (laughs) Google it. I am not Google. Uh, We're going to talk to our grandkids and be like, oh, yeah, we had this podcast on on these Mm. things called computers. (laughs) With that, we jump ahead six years as we focus on In Your House. Oh, wait, man, never mind. I might have screwed this one up. Hold on. Oh, it was the go-home edition of Raw that was leading to the pay-per-view. Okay. okay. All right. Mm. Mm. I still kind of want to talk about the pay-per-view, but I won't. I won't. It didn't happen. It didn't happen on this day. Uh, there were a couple episodes of uh, Raw, Nitro, stuff like that. Um. Goodness, so we have to jump all the way. Oh man, we got less to talk about than I thought. We have to jump at least so that I can look this up now. (laughs) Okay, fuck it. We'll talk about it. So this didn't happen until October 18th. Um, But because I screwed up and because we don't have too much to talk about, on this day, October 12th, 1998, was the go-home edition of Raw from the Nassau Coliseum building to Judgment Day in your house. Um, The New Age Outlaws successfully defended um the actually in fairness that was they're talking to see this is why they talk they give like a pay-per-view recap not a, a go-home show recap but we'll talk about that pay-per-view why not uh took place from the rosemont horizon in rosemont aka chicago illinois as they always hype it up to be and i want to know if crash andrews would go back to watch <laughs> this pay-per-view first and foremost there were four matches Dude, on I'm- sunday night heat I'm going to save the suspense really quick. It's 98. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you might want to make sure. Just wait for this. Okay. Sunday Night Heat. Steve Blackman against Bradshaw. The lethal weapon. Yes. How How is... Oh, I got one more when we're done. Remind me that I've got, like, one thing to really quickly talk about. Oh, just but go how, for it now. How is Why Psycho not? Sid not in the Hall of Fame? Because he liked softball and shit himself at WrestleMania. Mm, I'm pretty sure that there are people in there that have done worse, like murder. <laughs> I mean, just because uh, he, he, yeah, yeah. Uh, so how is Steve Blackman not in? If if the Godfather can get in, how is the lethal weapon <laughs> Steve Blackman not in? Keep going. Bradshaw. This is this is uh, young buck, long hair, red tights, Bradshaw, right? Uh, this might have been early acolyte Bradshaw at this point, or just Ooh. before. Okay, this was just before the acolytes showed up, where he was paired with Farouk, because Farouk got thrown to the side because it's like <laughs> the rocks in the nation now. We don't need Farouk. Right, literally in like three months, 
Farouk went from cutting a promo on Raw about how the WWF was racist because they've never had a black world champion to then being just like the side character to Rocky Maivia. That uh, the APA is one of the best. We don't have anything for you put together tag teams. Arguably with the uh, the new age outlaws that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> does does he know that the webcams aren't recording during this particular <laughs> podcast? He's wearing a shirt this time. <laughs> <laughs> Little crash made an appearance that he did. So the other three matches on Sunday Night Heat, the oddities, Giant Silva, Golga and Kurgan. With Luna Vachon, Shaggy oh. Two Dope, and Violent J, the ICP, uh, against Los Bariquas, the ones that were not Savio Vega. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just came up with a title for this podcast, <laughs> and it's going to be Borderline Racism. <laughs> well... <laughs> We're not. No, we're not being. He's true. He's he just doesn't have. We don't have enough time to name them all. <laughs> Can you name the three other Bariquas? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a no. No. Um. Next up. The Godfather. Hall of Famer. Brackets, Hall of Famer. The Godfather. In brackets with and two hoes. <laughs> against Farouk. Okay. And Scorpio against Jeff Jarrett. Hold up. What? It was a three on one? Or is this two, like, two separate matches? Two separate matches. Okay. The way you presented it sounded like it was a, th- it was a handicap match. Can we even say that? Shoot. Um, Who's to say? Uh, okay. So I loved Too Cold Scorpio. I thought he was an amazing talent, very athletic, that got stuck in really stupid gimmicks. Um, I don't want to go any further with that because then the title has to change. <laughs> Fair. Um, just he, he, I feel like he got stuck into very urban, uh, very urban characters because of his race. Like, I thought that that was really dumb. But on the same token, he was an amazing wrestler. Um, And it was Farouk versus Scorpio. Oh, it's oh, no, uh, Godfather. Godfather. Godfather versus Farouk, Scorpio against Jeff Jarrett. This is still Sunday Night Heat. This is not, this is yeah. like the pre show yeah, yeah, to yeah. the pay per view. Um, Those... By the way, um, on average, uh, this came out to about 11 minutes of match time. Between yeah. these four matches, uh, which means about about three minutes a match, if that. I on average. So yeah, I don't. Those two matches don't really do too much for me. We get to the main pay per view and we kick off Al Snow with Head against Mark Marrow with Jacqueline. Uh, kind of. He's intrigued. Okay. Kind of. Next up. I mean, hey, let's be honest. That's a match you don't need to have too many thoughts on. (laughs) Yeah, it's the opener. LOD 2000, (laughs) which is Animal Draws and Hawk. RIP Draws. RIP all three of them. Jesus, that's depressing. Um, 
against the Disciples of Apocalypse, Wait, Eight what? Ball, Skull, and Manager Paul Ellering. <laughs> so Eight Ball was uh, Eight Ball and Skull were uh, Ron and Don Harris, aka uh, Nazi brothers. What what did they call them in the WWE again? Or in uh, WCW? Eight Ball and Skull. No, the the, the powers that be. The Disciples of Apocalypse. No, but in WCW, I mean, weren't they the yeah, powers Yeah, they were like beat? creative control of the powers creative that be. Control, yeah. some shit. You said WWF, I kind of sworn. But yeah, anyway. Sure. For the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship, Christian against Taka Michinoku. I'm full in. I'm, I loved <laughs> Taka, Mich- Taka Michinoku. <laughs> Dude, I, I just had to search too. I completely forgot that Hawk passed away two years ago. Oh, Animal did. Hawk yeah, passed away in like Animal did. Three. Yeah, Hawk yeah. was a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, three. 20 years. Jesus. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, sign me up for Christian and, and Taka. Fair. Next up, Gold Dust against Val Venus. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the absurdity, both amazing wrestlers, both really s- stupid-ish characters. So, yeah, sure. And if I tell you it was 12 minutes long? Um, I I actually appreciate that. Okay. I don't think that that, like, Sean Morley and Dustin Rhodes deserved 12 minutes against each other. Val Venus and Goldust? Maybe not as much. Fair. For the European Championship, D'Lo Brown against X-Pac. Interesting. Not as interested, but very interesting at the the pairing. Was this was this pre the the promo of the nation and DX? Oh, this was after. This, this was, was after, after the okay. uh, uh, the blackface. Makes, makes a lot yeah. of sense. Borderline. <laughs> <laughs> For the WWF tag team titles. The Headbangers, Mosh and Thrasher against the New Age Outlaws of this... Road Dog and Daddy Ass. Okay, Headbangers, under or overrated? On their first properly. run, not like properly rated. <laughs> <laughs> didn't they have three they runs? Like, didn't they come back for this feud and then later on they came back one more time for like a mini, mini stint? So they were in the company from 96 to 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the time where Mosh became Beaver Cleavage, right? Um, and then Chaz, but that's because Thrasher was out injured, right? Um, was he, and then he ended up being like the caddy, or he was with Chavo, something like no, the, no, Chavo's caddy was Dolph Ziggler, but wasn't he? Didn't he like pair up with him when when Chavo was uh, Corwin White or whatever it was? I know of, sir. Fair, I know okay. of. And then, yeah, they came back on SmackDown randomly in 2016. So, okay. so it was the two runs. Yeah. I like the headbangers, and I thought they were pretty decent workers, so I'd, I'd watch that one again. For the Intercontinental Championship, Mankind against Ken Shamrock. Shamrock had the title, was the champion heading in, wasn't he? Yes. Okay, because I was like, Mick never held the Intercontinental title. Correct. So, um, spoiler alert for who wins that match. 
Mark Ken Shamrock. I think Ken Shamrock was underutilized during that run. I think they would have gotten a lot of um, attention had they put the title on him. But again, as mm-hmm. we talked, that era was Triple H, Undertaker, Brett, Sean, Stone Cold was coming up, Rock was coming up. Like, you can't really fit a Ken Shamrock in there without unfairly stopping what would be some of the greatest careers in WWE history. Hmm. Mark Henry against The Rock. Sure, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got nothing else there, yeah. And your main event. The Hall of Pain versus the Brahma Bull. Why not? For the vacated WWF Championship with special guest referee Stone Cold Steve Austin, it is Kane against The Undertaker. The only hesitation I would have is because they had like 157 matches <laughs> against mm. each other on major shows, whether it was Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views, whatever. So there's there's something to not seeing it again mm. because we saw it so many times during there too. But I mean... Those two had some amazing chemistry. Like there was, there's wrestlers who would have amazing tag team chemistry with somebody and still have amazing one-on-one chemistry. And, and Kane and the undertaker were the epitome of that. Would you watch this pay-per-view? Yeah, I think so. There are some like, mm, yeah, I'd be interested. The, the X-Pac D'Lo Brown, not a lot. Um, but everything else kind of has a little bit of like, I'd still like to go back and see how that one would turn out kind of thing. But the main event, like hearing that it was Undertaker Kane, there's something about it that I was just like, maybe I'll watch everything but that. Hmm. Not to disrespect the, the Brothers of Destruction, but again. No, go to- ahead. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> We jump ahead to 2008. This is a bit of a different one for us here. The Academy Award nominated film The Wrestler had its first public screening at the New York Film Festival. Have you seen the movie? Do you remember your thoughts on the movie? What do you think about The Wrestler? It it really turned my vantage point of seeing guys at conventions that can't go anymore. Mm. It went from like, I finally have a chance to see this guy who I grew up idolizing to holy shit. Why are they here? (laughs) Like this is how they're making money now. Like they can't go in the ring. Chances are they're working behind a counter at a deli (laughs) to make ends (laughs) meet and then get that, endorphin of fix of you know every weekend they're at some other bingo hall signing autographs for $20 a pop like it really opened my eyes to how the industry doesn't take care of the those who built it and how they have to actually scrounge to they have to wait for like a raw retro or retro raw or whatever they call them to get that one payday that'll last them the rest of the year all I typically recall, I enjoyed the movie. 
Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Still, still a great movie. I don't mean to yeah. grudge the movie. Ernest the Camel, no, I mean, how could it be bad? That was the biggest takeaway, though, in a lot of ways for a lot of people. I remember reading the response from um, Roddy Piper was probably the most famous one um, where he said or it was said that um, Darren Aronofsky, the director, um, was asked about it. Uh, And he said this about Piper, quote, he loved it. He broke down and cried in Mickey Rourke's arms. So he was psyched that the story and the side of wrestling was finally showcased um it's yeah. same same director as the whale as well right yes yes with, with brendan fraser the thing yeah. i liked about it was it took and same with the whale like it takes a person who should be revered and shows all the shit that they have to deal with hmm. like brendan fraser's character is an online teacher you know teaching through zoom calls, uh, English literature or whatever. Um, but he never shows his face. He's obese, uh, unhealthy. And then the wrestlers, this, this was Jake, the snake and Ric Flair's biography. Right. (laughs) Basically. Like we never saw that side of our heroes until that came out. And then all of a sudden you see, you know, they're, and they're still doing it. There's still conventions everywhere. Now there's there's the ones that make sense, like Starcast or whatever. But then there's the other ones where it's Johnny brings uh, Rick Steiner so he can be borderline racist <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, to whatever bingo hall. So you know the the sixteen people who show up can watch wrestling and meet Rick Steiner. Like there's there are good ones out there, but then there's also like the, the ones that are very sketchy and very, but it's a payday. And these guys, if WWE is not knocking on the door, or hiring your son and bringing you in for a storyline, there's, there's legitimately not a lot out there that they can do because even physically they can't even move. So they've given their lives for professional wrestling and professional wrestling isn't really there for them in the end. It's, it's a very interesting, very sad story. To round things out, we will wish a happy birthday to two people. First and foremost, one of the most legendary names in the history of the wrestling business. Please be Bastion Booger. The man who revolutionized the television landscape. Gorilla? By means <laughs> Keep stretching. of the Rodney Mack White Boy Challenge. <sighs> Happy birthday to Rodney Mack. To, to fit the theme of whatever the hell this has been, he, he wasn't even really black. <laughs> he was, he was kind of mixed. He was like, you know, keep going. I'm going to put my foot in my mouth. You already have. (laughs) You already have. (laughs) And before the last one, Crash, I will ask you as we look to wind down the show here. Mm -hmm. What what do you have going on? Uh, I've been working on a lot of YouTube content. Running at my own pace. We got some uh, NBA 2K videos up on the YouTube. Some, uh, Some 
very, very early first takes of NHL 24, which we'll never mention ever again until there's a patch. I just saw you twitch when I said NHL 24. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, YouTube (sighs) slash Crash Andrews. I got a lot of stuff uh, up there. I'd appreciate that. Like and subscribe and tell all your friends and leave a comment. And yeah. Uh, And also, fuck you, Elon. uh, Twitch or... uh, x.com it's always twitter it's twitter.com slash crash underscore andrews of course you can find me everywhere at 24 youtube twitch all the fun stuff the quote to bring us to a close i'm gonna steal crash's thunder oh i have one but go ahead oh this one might be better though (laughs) you see back in the uh early 90s there Mm -hmm. was a, a wrestler who finally made the jump from down south to up north. And to really show how much of a common man he was, they had him doing odd jobs around town. If you will. If you will. <laughs> and he was a garbage man. Yeah. Just like everybody at just, you know, it's like all the hardworking folks. He was also a butcher, uttering the phrase on television. You can beat my prices, but you can't beat my meat. (laughs) Happy birthday, Dusty Rhodes. The wrestling world misses you. We miss you a lot. (laughs) He's got a bicycle. (laughs) Black and gold was Dusty Rhodes. Mm. Once Dusty Rhodes wasn't around anymore, it all went to crap. (sighs) Shit, it went to shit. He was a man's man. He's a man. Before William Regal. <sighs> American Dream. I'm Why are you going to bring it down? Dust. Like right I'm at looking the at end, other dude. Dusty quotes. That's not bringing it down. That's telling people, hey, respect Dusty Rhodes. Form yourself about Dusty Rhodes. Well, how do you want to end the show then? All right. Bobby Heenan. Because... <laughs> Little Bobby Heenan, fuck Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> Jim Cornette. Yeah. <laughs> uh, little known fact, when we finish here, Toogie goes and streams at uh, twitch.tv slash Toogie24. And uh, one of my favorite shills on the <laughs> on the platform, uh, an amazing man, he's going to get married, so make sure you jump over there and give him all your money. Bobby Heenan once said, you know, they say money can't buy happiness. Give me 50 bucks and watch me smile. (laughs) Good night, everybody. I don't know why I'm waving. People can't see. No, don't wave. Don't wave.